Welcome to Voices from the Pews, the show that invites you to engage in conversations with Catholics of color and those who are part of communities of non-European origin, so that we can get to know more about each other's faith, experiences, and stories. I'm your host, Lorna DeRose. As always, it's wonderful to be able to share so many inspiring conversations with you. Have you heard something that has resonated with you? Please let me know by sending an email to voicesfromthepewspodcast at gmail.com or leaving a voicemail at 617-682-0885. Today, it's a pleasure to speak with Ashley Pish was a wife, mother, educator, and executive director of Creatio. We hear about her journey of faith and learn about how her search for meaning and suffering led her to the Catholic Church. We also learn about the ministry of Creatio, which provides opportunities for people to experience God's creation and deepen their faith. I hope you enjoy listening. Today we have with us Ashley Pish, who is the Executive Director of Creatio with us. Ashley, welcome. So glad to have you with us on Voices from the Pews. Thank you so much, Lorna. I'm so happy to be here. Before we talk a little bit about Creatio, would you share a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up? And tell us a little bit about your family. Sure. So I grew up on the East Coast. I live in Colorado now, which is where we are headquartered here in Denver. I've been here for about nine years, but grew up on the East Coast. So I was born and raised in Maryland and then went to school in New England and then uh, lived in D.C. for about 10 years before moving out here to Colorado. And I'm, I'm a new Catholic, so that's, that's something about me. So I was baptized three years ago, and it was a real gift to be baptized as an adult and to come into the faith as an adult. But I grew up without structured religion, really. We would go to church every once in a while, traditional Black Protestant churches on the East Coast occasionally, but nothing consistent. And I would say, though, that I did grow up with a good sense of virtue and values from my parents. So my father came from a very poor background. My mother came from a military family. And so uh, those combines mean that we uh, talked a lot about work ethic and learned a lot about work ethic and, and fortitude and temperance and all those things. So I would say that I grew up with with some natural virtue and value that was instilled uh, by my parents, which I'm super grateful for, uh, but really started to look into my own faith and, and religion and, and start to be drawn towards this curiosity around truth in my young adult years. And what, as you were beginning that search, what prompted that search? What fueled it for you? Yeah, so I'd say the that's been most consistent in my in my search for truth that really has my curiosity was was really trying to learn about suffering so um how to suffer well why suffering existed and pain and 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 would say that you know all of our lives uh, include this element of suffering and i had real questions around how to do that well and, and the meaning of suffering really and i would say i had a couple of of kind of life events that that led me in that direction so I am married now with with two beautiful children. Uh, but before I was married, I was I was dating my my current husband, 
and he was deployed to Iraq. So he was an infantry officer in the Marine Marine Corps back in 2006 to 2009. And so uh, had a bit of an introduction to, to suffering in that sense in, in terms of supporting someone who was fighting a war and being part of a community that was affected by war and death. Uh, so that was the, the my kind of first inkling. But then when we had our kids, so my kids, we had nine-year-old twins. When they were born, they were born very early. So they were born at 26 weeks. They were just under two pounds, um, right around two pounds when they were born and had a very long stay in the NICU. And that was difficult for us, but then had an encounter with a NICU nurse. She was our, our favorite nurse. She was just full of joy, very optimistic. And after a couple of months, learned that she had lost her own child, a six-year-old, due to a bike accident. And she changed her life at that point and became a NICU nurse because she wanted to help other families who were struggling with with child loss and then having sick children. And I just thought it was incredible that this person who was so joyful <laughs> mm. and and so peaceful and and brought a lot of just a calming presence to me during my period of a difficult time um, had gone through something that was so so tragic and had had come out the other side such a strong person. And so thought that there was something there, that there is something about suffering that I, I wanted to learn from, from folks who had been through it mm-hmm. and had been through it with grace. And it sounds like she was definitely someone who had been going through it with grace and, and also being generous. That's right. Yeah. So going through that and, and having having it be a life-changing you know event for her, but in a positive way, a way that brought her more peace and allowed her to then love others and, and just an incredible way in a way that I hadn't I hadn't encountered before that was impactful for me and then uh, the most recent thing so just before I was baptized I, I actually decided to to join RCIA at at our local Catholic church because I had real questions about suffering in terms of love and how how to receive love and how to love others uh, my father was struggling with mental illness and I was trying to love him well and trying to forgive and trying to understand how to receive love through that process. He actually ended up dying uh, by suicide uh, a couple of months after I was baptized. So it was a very intense period of time when I was going through RCIA and and discerning whether to join the Catholic church or not. And then right after I had joined and been baptized and then went through this, this, this very tragic period of my life. And just the the, the grace that I received through that was incredible. And it was kind of like the last straw to drop for me. I'd already decided I, I wanted to join the church and be baptized, but it wasn't until a couple months afterwards. And I went through this, this period of intense suffering and felt more peace in my life than I had ever before. And, and said, Oh, maybe there is something to this. <laughs> maybe this is, this is real. Um, and then have gone deeper since then. Wow. You were, living out and contemplating the paschal mystery throughout your discernment process um, and right. coming into the church in so many ways it sounds like that's right and I'm I'm so grateful and even still I am receiving a lot of grace and, and just healing because I am able to look back on my life and recognize that the periods when I felt alone or I, I felt most desperate that those are the periods when God was really working and allowing me to to go deeper and really fuel that hunger for for truth and receive grace to really survive certain periods of time when I I, I don't know if I could have survived on my own. So suffering has been a, a beautiful portion of my life now instead of, you know, prior to conversion, I would have seen it as as a as a negative, a negative thing. And I I really do have appreciation for what we can learn through that. Yeah. That's the the redemptive 
part of suffering. It's not just empty. It's not just something that happens, but there is a grace that occurs as we are suffering. And we know that God is with us. Yeah. And how did you discover the Catholic Church within this period of inquiry in your life? Yeah, so this was... I think, you know, by grace as well, <laughs> I, I definitely am coming to terms with the fact that God has been calling me this entire time. And I've been blindly following at some points and then trying to actively follow now. But my husband was actually, he was born Catholic. His, he was born in, in Boston. His whole family is from Boston for a few generations. And uh, he was not practicing. So his, his family essentially left the church when there were scandals in, in Boston. This is when he was pretty young and he hadn't been practicing since then really. And, but we did get married in the Catholic church out of tradition. And so that was kind of an, an introduction to the church. And I really appreciated the tradition of the church. I really appreciated the beauty and could recognize that. And then we actually, when we moved to Denver, we ended up moving two blocks away from uh, a Catholic church here uh, with a, a priest who, or a pastor who was about our age. And I think he has a real gift for, for evangelization or like making connections with people who are not necessarily looking to the church for answers, but interested in curious about the, the meaning of life and, and the meaning of things like suffering. So we made a connection there and I felt comfortable to go to RCIA, uh, just as like a, a philosophy class. I was like, oh, I'm just going to ask some questions and, and learn a little bit about this tradition. And my husband went with me and, and he, it was, it was very impactful for him because he, he said it was the first time he actually learned about his faith in a deep and meaningful way. And it started his, his reversion back to the faith, which has been amazing. In addition to the tradition of the Catholic church, I liked the consistency of it across the board. It didn't rely on, you know, the priest that you had that day for mass or what church you went to, but there was, there was something deeper that was driving everything we were hearing every Sunday. And I thought that that was, that was incredible, the history behind it. So, so I was drawn to it for those reasons, but really fell in love. I'm, I'm a heart driven person. So fell in love during my time at RCAA when I gave myself the chance to actually sit with some of the questions that I had and, and listen for answers and ended up being baptized. My husband was my sponsor and our whole family has been through uh, a conversion reversion <laughs> over the past few years. You both have come home. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's almost bittersweet because then you you look back and, and I'm still learning a lot, but you see how much you were missing beforehand, right? Sure. So we we had been married for ten years before I, I converted and and had it and had a strong relationship um, and still do, but but just realize how much we were missing, right? Not having. Sure this foundation to our, our marriage and our lives together. But but it sounds like even though there were things that were missing because you weren't really practicing the faith, those moments, those experiences that you were having were pointing you in this direction. That's right. Yeah. I, I was talking to actually that priest that, that baptized me the other day um, and was saying, you know, prior to maybe a year or two ago, I, I, I wouldn't consider myself to be a, a reader, right? Like I wasn't, I didn't have this like curiosity or hunger for um, kind of like the intellectual piece of the faith. And now I'm, I'm reading like five books at a time. And I mean, it's, it's, it's insane because it's really, it's really interesting to go back and um, to kind of have the, to learn the, the language 
around what it is we're doing and, and learn the the background um, and the philosophy behind it and the theology behind it. And then look back on my life and say, oh, that's what we were doing. And that's what we were attracted to, <laughs> right? Like that's why we we were drawn to um, the mountains or that's why we, we you know, held fast to these certain virtues and values um, and why, you know, so yes. So we had these aspects that were present in our, in our lives, but didn't really understand um, the depth. It didn't know how to talk about them. Uh, and, and now I'm finding that and it's really, it's, it's just super fun. So it's, I feel like I'm in this stage where I'm, I was led to the Catholic church through, um, through my heart really. Um, and now I'm, I'm waking up to this intellectual side, which is, which is so deep and, and, and fascinating. And it's, uh, yeah, I, I just having a lot of fun. So thinking about um, your journey of faith, search for truth, beauty, and goodness, um, you're the executive director of a ministry called Creatio, which seeks to help people find their faith through the outdoors. So I worked in education for about 15 years prior to converting to Catholicism and education has played a very important role in my, my life, my family's life, my, my family's history here in America. And I've always been very passionate and mission driven around providing an educational opportunities for, for students that, that wouldn't necessarily have them. So worked in, in pretty poor communities across the country, that work, which is great. But as I converted and I recognized that, you know, I couldn't educate my way out of suffering, <laughs> you know, poorly, or educate my way to truth or into heaven. I recognized that I wanted to share my faith. I wanted to serve Jesus and, and the church with the, the people that I was serving. And so was looking for ways to work more closely with the church. I, I was looking probably naturally to, to work with Catholic schools in some, some way. Um, and in that search actually came across Creatio through a, an acquaintance, and they were looking for an executive director, someone who had experience leading a small nonprofit. And I brought that, but I was I was a new Catholic and had never, you know, worked in an apostolate before. So brought some kind of leadership abilities and experience, but have learned way more than <laughs> than I'm given I've given, I'm sure, over the past two years I've been with Piazio. So we are a small apostolate here in Denver that's really focused on evangelization of today's culture. And so we really are reaching out to primarily younger adults. So our Target range is from 18-year-olds to about 35-year-olds. So we say, you know, post-college pre-vocation is, is our real sweet spot. And we have missionaries who are within that age range who are really on fire and passionate for evangelization. And we kind of marry the intrinsic beauty of, of creation and its power to draw us closer to the creator with this, this group of missionaries and our team just in general that it's very welcoming and community-based and just wants to share what we've found with everyone and we kind of marry those two things and we lead experiences um, that compete with more secular organizations that are leading backpacking trips or pilgrimages or you know adventure trips in the outdoors and we have these missionaries who we train as outdoor guides who can lead those trips to compete with these secular organizations but then bring this deeper sense of asking deeper questions, kind of trying to connect the dots between creation and the reason why we're attracted to the beauty of creation and what that means and how it's, you know, is leading us closer to, to the creator. So that's what we do. And it's a really, it's a really beautiful mission. And I've learned a ton over the past years about apostolate 
and and evangelization. And we, coming out of COVID, have had so much support um, and demand really for what we're doing, which is which has been very hopeful place to be to be contributing to this mission. What makes Creatio a more unique than, let's say, a secular backpacking experience, if you will? So we are really focused on the persons. Our purpose is to evangelize and to be that on-ramp, essentially, to um, young people who are living in today's culture, uh, who wouldn't necessarily look to the Catholic Church for answers, to be an, an, an easy, really, on-ramp to ask those deeper questions and recognize that that the church does have answers there. And so we're really focused on creating the environment for evangelization. We have all the technical skills. All of our guides are certified outdoor guides. And, and we lead in some of the same places that or other organizations will lead experiences. But we really do spend a lot of time training our missionary guides and really creating the environment for evangelization. So we focus on experiences that, that do combine you know, beauty and suffering. So our experiences are very real. So we, when we do go on pilgrimage, we we walk the entire way. Like we don't we don't have support vehicles, but we really do. As we are suffering <laughs> in these beautiful places, we have conversations and we push people deeper to say, like, how do we suffer well? To like ask those questions and and reflect on what what God is doing in our lives and then how suffering can lead us to to a greater place. We really do explore, you know, the attitudes and virtues and values that are necessary for inviting personal transformation, right? So we talk a lot about readiness to change and what it means to be on an experience where you're you're kind of outside of yourself, you're outside of yourself, you're disconnected from the typical world, you have this beauty, you have silence, you you're pushing yourself, you know, physically in one sense, but we also talk about how what it means to push yourself internally to be ready to change and open to listening now that you have this silence to, to actually listen and be ready to change. And so we really do have all the fun aspects of adventure experiences, and we do that really well, but we really do focus on these times when we have to to have one-on-one conversations, really have like personal invitation to a deeper conversation and community that's really focused on having this transcendent experience together and, and having that lead to personal transformation. So this encounter, this form of evangelization, can you think of an experience that you can share of how transformative this outdoor adventure could be for someone who decides to to go with Creatio? So we have a lot of testimonies and we've been around for um, over a decade and um, 98% say that they have grown closer to Christ and his church through a Creatio experience, which is incredible. And that happens in very different ways. So there, there, we have lots of different types of testimonies. We work with colleges and we have mission trips and, and pilgrimages and adventure trips. But on one mission trip we did with a college here in Colorado, CU Boulder, which is super secular, pretty liberal college. We took a group of, of students that were not Catholic down to Peru. I think you mentioned one of those areas that we go. And we did a mission experience with them. And our mission trips are, we really focus on the communities that we are serving and working within. And so we we build sustainable relationships with the communities that we work with. So we only run mission trips to a couple of locations because we strive to go really deep with those communities. And one of the students afterwards said, you know, that was the first, and we were embedded with a community. And during this trip, we were building clean cook stoves. So it was, has an environmental piece to it, but also just spending time with the community there. Um, and one of the students afterwards mentioned how as a, a female student, she had never 
held a baby before, right? And so she felt uh, this this connection to the child and to and to herself, her own identity and the community that we were serving while actually doing a physical, you know, actually serving the community physically in a way that was helpful for them. Um, she had her own personal transformation just in the personal relationships that that she was able to plug into during the time that she was there that we that we cultivate um, and we work with these communities along the way. So that's one. And then we hear a lot and a lot of testimonies we hear over and over uh, two things. One, the silence is is really helpful. So again, that disconnect. So we go to places where you you can't bring your cell phone <laughs> or at least it doesn't have service. That disconnect and then the community that's there that just bonds really quickly over doing something difficult together in this very profound way. So we hear a lot about community, a lot about disconnect and silence being the right environment for people to to listen to God and 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 wherever they are in their journey to move a little bit further. So we have lots of testimonies of that for sure. And I would say our our missionaries are incredible. They really do artfully design this environment that's conducive to conversion and transcendence. They design it on the go, right? So they'll they'll get a group of people and they they learn that group of people, they learn who they are and they and they kind of design experiences for that group based on on where they are and, and what they need. So we lead trips for Catholic groups that are looking to go deeper and non-Catholic groups who are just looking for adventure and and a little bit of a break in their life. And we, we meet them where they are and, and try to push from there. I think that's a mark of true evangelization. It's just meeting folks where they are and then, you know, moving forward from there as you build relationship with them. Um, as we're considering building relationship and you talk about going deep within the communities where you have missions, thinking about the people that you are helping when you go to places like Peru or other countries um, where you have missions, how are you serving them? And what is their reaction to the people that are coming to assist them and with the particular things that they may need? Yeah, so that is a great question. That's something we think a lot about. And missions is actually, there's a lot to it. So we work with uh, a couple of communities in South America. So our apostolate was founded by an apostolic community, um, a religious community, and that community has ties in South America. And so we we already have kind of deeper ties with the areas where we work. And then we think a lot about how we build sustainable projects that are responsive to the community's needs and and again, sustainable over time, right? So it's not just like a, we go one time and we leave. So for example, in Costa Rica, we are in the very early stages of this, but we are working with a community um, that's pretty isolated on the Western Peninsula. And we are trying to help them think through how to bring more economic development to the area. So we're thinking about ecotourism. How do we build ecotourism into this area that, that is absolutely beautiful, but more remote? And doesn't have support to build anything really. So we are we're thinking, you know, long-term projects that we actually have the capacity to support. And in that, in trying to assess the community's needs and think about those sustainable projects, we get to know them really well. So we uh, we just had one missionary that was embedded in that community for a month. He just got back. We have more folks going down this summer and not bringing you know mission trips, but actually going down to work with the community to, to make sure we understand the needs and build the relationship build relationships that are authentic. That's how we approach it. And then the communities that we serve, the two that we've been to most recently have been this remote community in Costa Rica and then another remote community in, in the Galapagos Islands. 
they love when we bring groups down. They love to see us. They know us. And we're bringing small groups of people down to do work that is truly meaningful for the community and continuing to build on those relationships that we've already um, invested in. And so it feels like a family and, and our, our missionaries are always sad to be leaving <laughs> um, whenever they're leaving. And, and our participants can feel that like they, they, they can feel the difference between just visiting and, and kind of observing or like visiting and being welcomed into the community for a period of time and, and giving back in a meaningful way. It sounds like it's more impactful because you've built those relationships and you are trusted um, as you're coming in and the, you know, you're truly welcomed. It's not just a, oh, okay, here they are again. They're coming right. from the U.S. But, you know, these are our friends who care about us and we care about them and they are helping out. That's right. Yeah. And we we stay small for that reason, right? Mm-hmm. So we, like I mentioned, we bring small groups. A lot of times when we're down there, we're not bringing groups where it's just us working on the project ourselves and then and, and trying to make sure that we're really tied to what the community's needs are. It is time and effort intensive, but it is, it's, yeah, it's work that we love to do and then love to bring people into. That's wonderful. And I think that that says a lot about the apostolate itself. Now you mentioned that it is tied to a religious community. Yes. So we are tied to the Silesian. They're a small community. It's been around for about 50 years and they originated in, in South America. So they have two communities here in, in the U.S., one in Denver, one in Philadelphia, and then a lot in South America. And we are working with the Denver brothers primarily. And they also support another apostle here in Denver called Christ in the City which is an apostolate that's focused on homeless, uh, homeless mission. And, and they're kind of our sister apostolate here in Denver. It's, it's awesome to have that support. They're a beautiful community and, and it, it lends a lot of stability and support uh, in the way that we approach our work and, and the, the support that we have. And Denver just overall is, is a great place to be <laughs> because there's, this is a lot going on uh, with the Catholic community here, which is, which is all, it's, it's just amazing to be around. So we're, we feel very supported. Well, God bless you and and the Archdiocese of Denver and all the work that you're doing. This is so amazing and exciting as well. It is. And it's been really beautiful for me, again, as as someone who's who's newer to the faith, to come into this community, both with Creatio, but also the Catholic community here in Denver, and, and feel very, very fortunate to have access to a community of faith that is that is so strong and and really apostolic, really, really coming up with new ways to evangelize uh, today's culture, which is great. Well, I think that's what the new evangelization is about. Um, we are called to evangelize within our culture, and we're called to share the good news of the gospel. Think about John Paul II, Pope Benedict, Pope Francis, all of them have, in their own particular ways, shared with us that that's what we're called to do. And, you know, going back to the Bible as well, um, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. So. You are a wonderful part of that. So is there a particular saint or is there a particular prayer that is close to you uh, that you love and that you could share with us? Yeah, that's a good question. This is not a saint. So Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, who is up for sainthood, is one of our patrons of our apostolate. And we pray for him. We pray for his intercession every day So we to, to try to help with that push. And so I've, his life is, is inspiring as, a, as being a younger person who has this natural kind of attraction to, to beauty, to creation. 
but also a real heart for service. And so that's not quite saint <laughs> that I've that I've grown closer to. And then yeah, the prayer that's coming to mind for me right now is is actually the Lorica of Saint Patrick. And I just love the ending of of that prayer where it's like Christ before me, Christ from Christ. So Christ all around me. And, and I love that reminder in the mornings to say he is with me throughout this entire day and everything I say, everything I do, everything that people see, everything, everywhere I go. Um, see Christ. That's right. So that that is that's my current favorite. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really just trying to to remind myself that I'm I'm not alone. I guess it's a, a theme that's <laughs> come yes. come up a couple of times. Uh, so I like that one. I love that prayer too, and I agree with you. It's it's a very beautiful prayer. Um, if people would like to learn more about Creatio, how can they do that? Yes, so we have a website. It's www.creatio. C R E A T I O. dot org. You can email us info at creatio.org. We'd be happy to chat. We most of what we do is actually custom trips, and so we have some open enrollment trips where people can sign up individually and and come on our experiences. But we do a lot of custom trips. So, yeah, if you have an interest in our mission, whether it's to to travel with us, adventure with us, or or partner with us in some way, we would love to hear from you. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us today and sharing about your faith journey and about Creatio. Really enjoy our conversation, Ashley. Thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed listening to today's conversation with Ashley Pish. St. Pope John Paul II said, while we may never fully understand the reasons for our hardships, we can take solace in the fact that We can follow Christ's example and use our suffering to contribute to the greater good of the world. Like blessed Fair Giorgio Forsati, who was an avid mountain climber and hiker, Ashley strives to use her love of the outdoors as a way to bring others to Christ. Blessed Fair Giorgio Forsati, pray for us. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Voices from the Pews. A special thanks goes out to Ashley Pish from Creatio for being with us today. See you in two weeks for our next episode. Thank you for listening to Voices from the Pews. Produced by Lorna DeRose. Audio editing and post-production by Bryn Lee. Music composed and performed by André Lui. Social media presence boosted by Jacqueline Brunache. May God bless and keep you until next time.